So today, I'm uh, definitely going to touch on a topic that I'm, I'm very fond of, and it's, it's near and dear to me. And uh, in that, one of the things that you'll hear at the Vineyard Church pretty, pretty often uh, is, you know, Holy Spirit, come, come Holy Spirit. We sang that, you know, like, uh, you know, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. We, we, you know, take that out of, you know, what's called the Lord's Prayer, you know, that, that desire, that, that phrase, you know, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And it can be said so uh, frequently that it kind of loses its, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's spoken so much at uh, different services and, or, or weddings or funerals or whatever. And so, you know, we get to the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your, you know, and, and it's like it almost becomes a, we just kind of rattle it off, you know. But it really, it's just awesome, this idea that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, you know, let, you know, pray this way, and, and gave us a connection point to, to the Father in, in, in that prayer, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this, this idea of partnership with God, that we get to partner with God, that we get to be a part of what, what God is doing in the world. And I just, it's just amazed, it amazes me that Jesus invites us to join in with him, to, to partner with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, in, in being a part of his rule and reign that he desires to bring even to the earth as it is in heaven. I mean, that's an awesome, that's an awesome thing. And I, I believe that, um, you know, when we do that here, we, we make it an emphasis because we truly believe God does intervene in our present day. God is present. He, he becomes present. He uses his church, which he ordained, to bring, you know, salvation into the world through the work of the Spirit and through, uh, you know, His work. So it's just, I mean, how awesome is that, that we get to be a part of God's work in this world? That is a good thing. So, so with this invite, when we call that into being, what does that, you know, what does that look like? And I just, I don't know, I, I get excited. I mean, we make, you know, here, we don't, we don't apologize for the fact that we emphasize that God moves, God heals, God delivers, God saves. I mean, we don't, we're not like, you know, backing down from that. That's something that we're, we're excited about, we're proud of. We're, we know that God works in and through us. And I mean, after seeing, you know, after seeing some of the things we've seen, there are people in this place who, you know, we've seen some pretty amazing things. We've seen some miraculous things. And, and so it's like once you see that happen, once you see, you know, someone get healed of a physical deformity or someone get released from the grip of Satan or whatever it may be, it, it changes you. You can't live the same after that. It's like, it's like there's no turning back. You read what's in the Bible, and you're like, man, Jesus did all these amazing things, and then we see some of that, and, and maybe not as much, but we, we desire to. We want to see God move. And so it, it changes how we live life, or at least I, I think it would. I think it would. Needless to say, you know, in placing that emphasis on signs, wonders, miracles, whatever, I mean, we, we do get excited to see God move in power. And these things, like when God does heal, it's, it's an extension of his goodness towards his creation, towards, towards you and I. We're made in his image. So there's, there's that aha, duh kind of moment where it's like, yeah, like, okay, God's good. Like, you just saw someone healed, and wow, it, it, it kind of blows your mind. Um, but in the midst of these things and what we see, I, I just want to make sure that we don't miss our calling to preach the message. 
to actually speak the message, to share the gospel. I mean, to go, to go as Paul said, to go and preach the gospel in its fullness. In its fullness. And, and I just want to make sure as we dive into this that we don't get caught up in, a, in an either-or you know, mentality. I mean, definitely want to get the, the both and. Because, you know, some churches, very charismatic, and it's all about the signs and wonders, and it kind of gets a little weird sometimes. You know, but then there's the churches who are super conservative, and it's, it's all about preaching the gospel, and it's, it's words, 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 and then, but, but no power, no power to that. And so I'd like to see there, there be a, a middle ground. I mean, we, we definitely adhere to a value of both and here in this church. It's, it's both and. and. And I always appreciate the often, whether it's misquoted phrase or whoever it's attributed to, but the, the quote where it says, preach the gospel, you know, and when necessary, use words. I mean, if, if you've been around, you've heard that. Uh, you know, and this is truly a powerful statement. It really is. It really is. I mean, our lives, the way we, we conduct ourselves as Christians and, and as we reflect Christ to, to a dark world, um, we need to reflect the goodness of Christ. Our lives do need to speak the gospel. Um, but there needs to be an integrity between the lives that we live and the words that we speak. I mean, if I go up to someone and I'm, I'm living Christ, I'm living Christ, but I never say anything about Christ, where does that leave them? All they know is that something's different about me, but they haven't really heard the message. We can't underestimate the word itself. I mean, have you, have you ever asked yourself this question, like seriously, in your, in your everyday life? What is, what is the Spirit doing in the life of an unbeliever? You know, what is the Holy Spirit doing in the life of an unbeliever? Because we can easily look at people in the church and be like, oh man, that person has a calling, or oh, in God, they're going to do this and this, and you know, and it's, it just kind of happens because we're in the church, and so the, you know, the Holy Spirit is moving, so we recognize that a little more. Um, but it's like, do you remember the first time somebody shared the good news with you? You know, can you actually go back to that time where you like, received the good news, like when it was like actually spoken boldly, confidently to you and you were, and, and you believed? And what was that like to you? Like, you know, because you can kind of look back and, and, and I kind of do this myself where I remember, or, or not, re- well, not even remember, but just it's like the Lord reveals to me, oh man, like the days, the months leading up to when I said yes to Christ, he set me up. You know, God set me up. Like, he literally, like, it was like, there was no chance. No chance for me. And, you know, I mean, if you think about that, how does that affect you? How, how does that affect how you approach someone who doesn't know the Lord? Can you look at someone and be like, man, God is setting them up? Because I've done that many times where I've looked back and be like, ah, <laughs> you know, they have no chance. They, he's got your number. Like, it's just a matter of time. And, you know, I think this is important. It's, it's that, you know that with full conviction, we, we share the good news of Christ because we know how we received it. And, and so I just want to look at a few passages. Um, well, the first one I want to look is in, cha- in the book of Acts in chapter 8. And um, I just want to kind of look at, you know, I, I mean, I hate, I don't hate. Um, I don't hate. <laughs> I don't hate. Um, yeah, no hating. Uh, it's a strong word. It's true. No, <laughs> no. Every, there's this idea of wanting to um, 
you know, I, I want to be like the first church. You know, like, we need to be like the first church, you know? And it's like, yeah, you know what? It's cool. Like, at our small group, actually, this past week, we talked about how, uh, you know, the first church, like, we're not in the same context. Things are a little differently politically, and, uh, and the way people are treated, social norms are a little different, you know? But ultimately, like, they were a people who were, what we talked about was how they were a people who were obsessed with God. They were just a people who were sold out. They, like, they, they didn't apologize for anything. The Holy Spirit came. They were different. Uh, people got healed. People were getting fed. Uh, people who didn't have anything now had something. Like, I mean, it was, that's, that's pretty cool. It's Christ reconciling the word to, world to himself through the church. And, but he did that through the, you know, the speaking of the message. You know, when, when Peter realized what was going on, he boldly spoke the message. You know, he realized what God was doing, and then out of the, the prophet Joel, he brought and said, okay, this is what's happening, and this is why. And, um, but anyways, I want to kind of just start off with this scripture here. It's in uh, chapter 8 in the book of Acts, beginning in verse 25, and I'm reading out of the ESV here. It says, uh, now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And don't you know God will bring you into some place you don't want to go to speak the gospel? Just as a, an aside right there. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? Now, this is a very conversational thing. I just want to, again, highlight this. It wasn't some weird, spooky, out there comment about Jesus. It was like so relationally simple. It was just a moment in time where he was interacting with someone and it was just a simple question. The way it started out was, hey, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> do, you, do you know what it is that you're reading? Very, very simple questions. And the eunuch said, he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. You know, now, it can seem like, you know, you re you'll read something like that and be like, Oh, come on, like... Again, God set him up. It was like, he's reading the Bible. You know, like, I mean, you know, because we can look at it and be like, well, I mean, if someone's reading the Bible and they start asking me questions, then it's like, hey, that's kind of, that's easier than just doing a cold call to someone and trying to tell them the good news about Jesus. It's like, they're already like, something's stirred up in them. But the thing is, is Philip, hearing the Spirit, went even into a place that he didn't, probably didn't want to go, and you know, spoke the gospel. He, he opened his mouth. 
It wasn't just the life he was living. It was, he, he had to do something with the message. And the thing is, is that the power, rests, uh, the power that rests upon us is, is truly in the message. It's in the message. The power you see when someone's healed or, you know, when someone's own sin is uh, revealed to them, uh, you know, when the blinders come off. I mean, that, it's the power of the good news. It's, it's good news. I mean, that's how God's economy works. I mean, that's just the way it happens. It's, it's word, the word is spoken and power comes. Something is declared and then God moves. It's, uh, you know, it's just this invitation when we speak. It's an invitation for God to come and, and break in into our present time, whatever's going on there. And, and, you know, we know some of the teachings we've done in the kingdom in the past. You know, it's that nothing happens uh, in the kingdom unless first there is a declaration. I was talking with Dick about this, uh, you know, this week. But, you know, when I was going through VLI and uh, listening to Derek Morphew, one of the leading uh, vineyard, you know, scholars, uh, you know, his, his teaching on the kingdom talks about how, you know, in Jesus' day, when a king wanted to roll out a new law, it sent a messenger out. And the messenger would speak the law verbally, and that would become binding. The word was spoken, and then it became, it was a done deal. And, you know, we, we speak the word, and then God says amen to his word. I mean, God says amen to his word. He's not going to deny it. He's, he's behind it 100%. You know, Luke 1.17, we read that John the Baptist came in the, in the spirit and power of, of Elijah. You know, that the hearts of the fathers would be turned towards their children to, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And... It's interesting because the, John the Baptist, as far as the New Testament tell us, he, he didn't do any miracles. You know, so when we read the power and spirit of Elijah, we kind of look back to the Old Testament in the book of Kings, and we see, well, what did the prophet Elijah do? You know, it was like, what did Elijah do? I mean, he, you know, it was like calling down fire and telling rain to not come and then telling rain to come. I mean, there was all these amazing things, but ultimately... Looking at what John the Baptist did, the, the message he carried was that of Elijah's. It was a call to repentance. There were so many people that in, in northern Israel that were following other gods. They had turned their hearts away from God. And so Elijah's message to them was to turn back. Turn back. You've followed this way. Now come back. And yes, power and miracles happened. But the message, it was the message of turning back to God. And see, that's where John the Baptist comes on the scene and, and it is prophesied that he would come and prepare the way of the Lord. And so he says, repent. You know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And there's power. It's, it's preparing a people. It was preparing a people for the Lord's coming, for him to move. And obviously we see Jesus, you know, in his ministry, he, same message, repent. And, and, but he had signs and wonders that followed his, his message. So again, God saying amen to the message. And Repentance is really key when you're, you know, when you're sharing the gospel because, you know, the idea of repentance and, and preaching a message like that, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like an intellectual issue. It's, repentance isn't that, um, you know, I used to think bad thoughts, now I think only happy thoughts. You know, the, the you know, or I'm sorry, you know, please forgive me, I did something really stupid. Like people, you know, it's like, repent, and like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, no, that's not, you know, we've taught that here. It's repentance literally means do a 180. You know, you were going this way, okay, now go that way. (laughs) 
you know, repent, turn from your sin, from yourself, and turn towards the Lord. And that was the message. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, is even with this, like a child who you discipline for, for being disobedient, you know, they can be sorry, you know, but they're not really sorry for the, the right reasons, of course. You know, they're, oh, I'm sorry. And they only, they're only sorry because you told them to say sorry, you know. Again, repentance is a deeper issue. It's deep remorse. It's, it's, it's that uh, a godly, you know, the godly sorrow. Godly sorrow, you know. It's God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's, it's, it's just a deep, a deep, deep thing. And we've got to trust that the message is powerful enough in and of itself when we speak it that God will come and say amen to his word. But the thing is, is we do need to be prepared with the message. You know, if we... You know, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. You know, if we, if we can say what he is saying, do what he is doing, that will bring about change. I truly believe it. If, if what I share um, with someone is just an idea of my own, then there's no sign or wonder to follow. There's nothing that will accompany that. It, sometimes I think boldness, boldness of the word declared in many ways can determine the, the power that is released. It's that, and not, a, not like raising your, your voice boldness, but a, a confidence, faith. Can we say faith pleases God? So that faith with, with which I speak the word, you know, there's, some, I mean, because people can look at you and be like, man, what you're saying is crazy. And like, yeah, you're going to have, some people receive it and it'll be awesome. And some people look at you and they may call you names or whatever. And there's, there's persecution. Okay, great. Um, you know, but there is something about being confident and being filled with faith that, you know, about what Jesus has accomplished. I mean, it's, it's really simple, I think. I mean, Paul said that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. It is the, it is the power of God for salvation. He wasn't ashamed of it. And, and I, I get excited when we talk in here and there's things that we talk about and, and about the Holy Spirit moving and different theological things. And, I mean, we can get into some really deep things here in the church, you know, talking about theological arguments. And we can, I don't know, we can just do that with, uh, with the maturity, I think, that we, we have in the church about spiritual things. But outside of the church, it's a simple message. It's a simple message. It's, it's Jesus died in your place. Everyone is guilty. It's his mercy that saves us. You know, God welcomes you as you are. He's made provision for you. Um, and it's, but it's not just when you die. It's right now. I mean, it's a very present gospel message. The, the message is good news. The go- gospel literally means good news. I mean, and it's a mystery why I hear some Christians on TV preaching bad news to people. It, it's good news we have. We have good news. It's the good news that brings people to God. Again, it's kindness. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness that leads to change. And so I just think, for me, sharing the gospel with someone, end of story. It's, it's simple. God's behind the message 100%, and I don't need to add a lot to it. You know, he may give me something in the moment to share with someone to bring them to that place, but ultimately, it's a pretty straightforward forward message. But even with this message, there is power of the message. Again, it's not either or just, well, I share the message and I kind of hope something happens, you know. It's that there's power in the message. In Mark 16, we read this at, at the end, uh, beginning in verse uh, 15. Jesus, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. 
In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and they will, if, any drink, if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. They went everywhere making a bold proclamation, a confident proclamation of what God was doing, what God had done, and what he was about to do. It was an all-encompassing proclamation. And, and when they'd speak that word, God would say, Amen. Amen. Amen to that word you just spoke. I'm behind that message 100% because it's my message. <laughs> Luke 4, verse 36 says, And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. When someone is dealing with uh, demonic oppression, you, know, you don't go to that person in the, in the power of God and say, I really hope you come out sometime soon. You know, it's like, no, in Jesus' name, come out. It, it's a specific proclamation. There's boldness to the decree. Something, something happens when you boldly proclaim the good news. You know, that's why it's important for us to get God's heart for those around us, to, to have his heart for our community. I mean, we don't have any power, no message apart from his presence. There's nothing apart from that. And so the message is key for this. We, we gain a heart for, for our city. We gain a heart for, uh, you know, our businesses, our families, whatever. And in love, again, in love, we go boldly into the world with the kingdom. In love. Our words become a doorway in which God is invited into our present reality to break in and intervene on someone's behalf. It's a doorway. And I just want you to realize the power of your words. It's, you know, again, it's not about raising your voice. It's not about the louder you speak or, you know, like if you're in a discussion or argument or whatever with someone, it's not about like raising your voice to, you know, prove your point above them and, you know, no verily, verily, or thus saith the Lord. I mean, if you say that, just make sure you tell them you're not from this church because, you know, then we don't have to worry about anything going around. So, you know, a right word at any moment can breathe life on someone in just a moment, in just a moment. I mean, don't try to debate or argue with people. You know, say what he is saying. Do what he is doing. In that moment, say, you know, Lord, give me the right word to speak to this person. What's relevant? Lord, I just, I need a word. I need your word. I need how, you know, and it's not like how do I sneak the message in here. But God will give you the words to speak. <laughs> like just seeing, oh, hi. Yeah, I think if we were honest with ourselves when it comes down to it, though, I mean, we probably don't share Christ as much as we ought to. And, you know, we may assess how our sharing is against how our neighbor's doing it or how someone else, you know, like, well, you know, and maybe I share a little more than them or, you know, maybe we come up with all sorts of reasons why we don't or why we can't share. It's like, well, in my workplace, I'm not allowed to talk about God or, you know, or I just haven't had the right opportunity yet. And, or, well, it's not my gifting. I'm an introvert. I'm kind of like, you know, closed up, whatever. 
You know, unfortunately for those, it doesn't say go, you know, Jesus didn't say go preach the gospel, but if you run into any adversity or something happens or you might get fired, then, you know, I understand your, your reasoning. It's just go. It's a command. Go. Preach the gospel boldly, you know, in, in understanding that that applies to everyone, even introverts, even people who aren't per- people, 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 I don't know, you know. It's for everyone. It's all of us who call on the name of the Lord, who are named by Christ, who, who have, you know, been brought in by the blood, and we, we've been filled with the Spirit. There's a declaration that needs to go out. We have good news. We need to do something with this good news. We need to do something, you know, about this. And so I just look out, and I look in Laconia, and where we go, and, you know, the harvest is ripe. I mean, we could easily get caught up in arguments with people about God, about religion, uh, gay marriage, any latest hot political, you know, topic. I mean, whatever, you know, in these arguments, like, it doesn't lead to anything. I don't ever, when I've heard people or, oh, can you believe them about gay marriage? And you know, It's like, really? Like, I don't hear the gospel anywhere in that. I don't hear the gospel at all in your argument about whether or not gay marriage is okay or not. The gospel. We are about the gospel. It is about the gospel. It's sharing the good news and, you know, in arguments, we end up trying to defend God or fight for the faith. And we, we make these claims that are, like, so bold. Like, you know, we think the boldness we're talking about, about, well, we're defending the church or we're defending the rights of this and that. And it's like, I don't know if the Apostle Paul would have ever gone there with that and how we relate to people and how we love people and how we share Christ with people. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's not, you know, I mean, we definitely need to, you know, in the church, need to keep ourselves pure. And, you know, the world is the world, and that's why we're sharing the gospel. Hello. Come on, people. We're sharing the gospel. We're showing the love of Christ to a world that doesn't know any better. They're under the grip of Satan. It's, it's kind of tough to do something when you're under the grip of darkness. You know, but, but just coming down to sharing, I just... You know, when I want to share the good news, I just tell someone, God loves you. You know, and it may seem so simple, but it is. It really is. It's the same grace that you came into relationship with, with God. It's, it's that same grace that he'll extend to someone else. And, you know, you can say to them, hey, I know, you know, God is in control of the situation. I don't know why, you know, this is happening to you. I don't know why you, you know, why this has happened. And, you know, but, but I know he cares for you. And, and I know that he wants you to come through this. So, so can I pray for you right now? You know, can I pray for you right now? You know, someone feeling condemned by something they did. Maybe they were in an accident and, you know, something happened. Something tragic happened where they affected somebody else. They didn't mean to, but it was an accident, but they feel condemned. You know, you can tell them, Christ, Christ forgives you. It's okay. You know, like, he loves you. He died for your sins. Making that bold declaration to them and letting them know what he's done. Giving them, again, giving them good news. It's good. It's all about good news. Again, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's what he went out preaching. He preached Christ, Christ crucified. He let people know what was going on. And I just, I, I know that when we have good news in our lives, you know, we don't hold that in. You know, if a, if a son or daughter gets engaged or we get a new job or we, uh, you know, babies, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, you're, Someone gets a scholarship to school, and I mean, all these things. They're good news. And immediately you're like, pick up the phone, and I want to tell someone. And I got to tell someone about this right now because it's really good news. And it would be kind of silly if I just held it in. 
it's, it really does just come down to that where, where we look, it's, it's how we look at things. It's how we view, you know, life in general. Um, and I'm just as convicted of that as well, because I'll go out and tell someone about something so tedious, something just that, like, has no bearing on eternity whatsoever, and get all excited and tell someone about it. And to that same person, I'll be like, I don't know if it's right to share this message with them right now, you know. And I get all, I get all weirded out. You know, like, the fear of men just, like, boom, like, comes at me, and I'm like, ah, Man, I really do fear people and what they think of me more than I ought to. You know, when someone comes to you, your neighbor comes to you with a problem, a family member, someone, a coworker, whatever, usually there are three ways that we can respond to that when something happens, you know, like a tragic thing or, you know, and obviously we have to be careful with how we convey ourselves in love. Um, You know, but it's funny, I, I, I can count, I, I can easily think of many times where someone's come up to me and they've just like blurted out their life story to me. You know, and they've said, I don't know why I just shared that all with you, but I don't normally do that. I just felt like I needed to. And I don't know why you, you know, it's like, hello, opportunity knocking at the door, you know, like a door wide open to share Christ with someone, to share good news with them. Not that, yeah, I know, like, man, my life is blessed. Amen. You know, why is your life blessed? Tell someone. It's, but anyways, so, you know, three ways that we can usually respond to that when someone comes up to us with something. It's, you know, it's either, oh, that's, you know, oh, that's too bad. I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, or it's, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, but I'll be praying for you. Usually a lot of us fall right there, right there. And unfortunately, that statement is not good news. Telling someone you're going to pray for them is not good news. There, there's nothing behind that. Like, I was telling uh, my wife, I'm like, you know, we look at Facebook posts and someone will post something tragic or something that happened to get illicit responses. And, you know, it's like the people like, oh, I'm sending, I'm, oh, prayers coming your way or, you know, oh, good thoughts or positive vibes or whatever are coming your way. And I'm like, that is not good news. That is not good news. That is like, I, and that's their expectation, though. It's like, I hope I get responses on Facebook. People are looking for good news. You know, the, the other way we can respond to that is, you know, we can tell them, I, I'm going to pray for you. And you know why I'm going to pray for you? Because God is good. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God heals. God saves. God delivers. Jesus died for your sins. Now I can pray for you because you understand why I'm praying for you. You understand the good news behind this. Like, if I went up to someone and said, Hi, you know, I'm Eric Shanley. Uh, I, repre- I represent the king and his kingdom. And he, he heals all your diseases. He, he delivers you from all your torments. He's with you through everything. But I just can't show you how, though. You'll just have to believe. Have a good day. You know, there is this, this aspect of, like, we believe this in our minds. Like, we believe God heals them. We believe God will deliver them. We... But it like it just it, it's like it just doesn't come out, and yet we believe this, and we will leave a conversation with someone knowing, ah, I I I know what they need. Why didn't I say it? Just close with these scriptures. Uh, Hebrews two one through four says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. 
or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. Romans 15, beginning in verse 14, says this, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach each other all about them. Even so, I've been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder. For by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I may present you... This is like... Grab this. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. This is key. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. Let me just stop there. The, you know, it's this idea, the word, and God says amen to his word. We need to trust that God says amen to his word, that when we speak it, you know, it may be rejected, it, but it may be received. And it's not up to us to determine if we think someone's going to receive it or not. It's just the command to speak the message. Boldly declare it. Speak it with conviction. Speak it like you actually believe it and you know that what you're speaking to them actually has value. It actually means something to the person because you know the grace that God deposited in you. He wants to extend that same grace to that person that you're sharing Christ with. Absolutely necessary. I mean, Paul's... and. Paul's life in this way, like even as that finishes up verse 22, he says, in fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching. Paul's life literally got interrupted by the gospel. You know, I'm sure he had plans. I'm sure he had a life he wanted to live. And then he got hit on a horse. <laughs> like, but God came on the scene and Paul was never the same. Paul was never the same after that. I wonder if we, as a church here, you know, just thinking that way, if our lives are affected by the gospel or if the gospel has been affected by our lives. You know, I, I, I am so convicted of this. It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, this, this promise that we have in the scriptures, you know, this promise of delivering God's word to an unbelieving world. We have such a promise and a message that we carry we need to remind ourselves that the message we carry leads to an encounter with Christ. It does, because we speak the message and God says amen.